Welkom by SL Gemeente Media. Okay, so tell me, is it simply because I'm an American that all of you are sitting so far back that somehow you have this fear? Now, I have to warn you that I've been known to come out, you know, and go after people. I I mean, uh, speak with people out in the pews and things like that. So uh, uh, better be careful and all that. Well, thank you very much for... uh, having me here tonight. It's a great, great privilege. Uh, Davi and I are very, very good friends. I love Davi very much, and uh, and I really, uh, just a joy to be here and, and be able to share with you. I shared this morning that uh, this song, I love the song Breathe. Uh, it is one of my favorite worship songs, but it almost got me into very serious trouble one time. Uh, I was uh, going to lead some worship for a Spanish-speaking congregation that used to meet here at City Temple. We would meet together from time to time and uh, have a joint service, and, and our worship team would try to learn songs in Spanish. And, and so Breathe was one of the songs because I figure there are not many words in Breathe. I can translate this. I had a little bit of Spanish uh, a long, long time ago. And after all, I have a computer, and you can put things in those nice little computer programs, and they pop out the translation. This is brilliant. I can work this. I can do this. And uh, so I got it all ready. But I had the good sense before we sang it to actually let a native Spanish speaker look at it. And it was all fine except for the chorus when I, I had translated, I'm desperate for you. And the, I, I, I made an unfortunate language choice because the Spanish that I chose for I'm desperate for you would be the language that you'd say, hey, baby, I'm desperate for you. Not the kind of thing you say to the God of the universe. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So hopefully I won't make any mistakes tonight and, uh, you know, have any uh, cross-cultural faux pas or anything like that. Uh, and it's a real honor to be here. If you happen to have a Bible with you and would like to read with me, I'm going to Second Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4. Now, I do appreciate you allowing me to uh, preach in English tonight. Uh, because uh, if, if, I, if I had to preach an Afrikaans, uh, I would be saying, buy a donkey several times, and then that would be it. And you might appreciate that a little bit more, but uh, I actually love that phrase, by the way, you know, because in English, as you know, uh, you could slow that down and, and change the emphasis, and it would be, buy a donkey, you know, one of those little burrows that you ride and stuff. And, uh, and I have to admit that I was tempted when I was in South Africa a couple of years ago. I love driving in South Africa. It's such an adventure. And, uh, and I was, as I was there, I, I got to go down the N1, and it's so fun to pass people on the N1. You know, it's great when you got two big lorries coming at you, and you decide to go around somebody, and oh, it's so exciting. Uh, not so much for your passengers, but it's, you know, really exciting for me personally in driving. And, uh, you know, you, you pass that occasional slow person. And uh, so in English, you know, I could yell at those people and say, Hey, buy a donkey! You know, they think that I'm, you know, thanking them for allowing me to pass. When actually I'm saying, Hey, you're such a bad driver, you should be driving a jackass. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it works out, but, uh, you know, thanks uh, that we don't have to go in that direction here. But uh, from Second Kings chapter 4, before I get myself in too much trouble, uh, let's, uh, let's read there. But before we do, let's pray again. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. And I pray now, Father, that you'd speak your word into our hearts. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today. You are such a good God. You've given us your son, Jesus, and we thank you so much. Now, I pray, Lord, that I could honor Jesus in the words that I say and the things that I do this night and that your people would be drawn closer to you. I pray, Lord, that they would encounter Jesus, not me, but encounter Jesus here tonight in a special way by your grace and to your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your home? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said. Well, except a little oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors to empty for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, my first encounter with a South African happened many, 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 many years ago. In fact, at the time of my encounter, I had no idea that he was South African. You know, we Americans, we can be thick. You know, we think that everything was invented there. You know, so what, what can I say? And this was a guy named Andrew Murray. Uh, have you all ever heard of him? Yeah, a small figure in the history of South Africa, right? No, 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 not at all. And in fact, the, the book in which I encountered Andrew Murray was a great little book called With Christ in the School of Prayer. And it was very influential for me in growing in my own prayer life and challenging me, making me squirm a little bit, uh, but helping me to, to grow in prayer and my understanding of how to approach God. And, uh, and it's really exciting for me when I found out he was South African and he kind of visited the area where he was at and, and all of that. But there's another guy that even though you may have heard of Andrew Murray, you probably haven't heard of him. And this guy is named John Hyde. And in many ways, John Hyde is, is not quite in the same way, but in terms of prayer, John Hyde would be the Midwestern United States answer to Andrew Murray. Unfortunately, John Hyde didn't write very much during his time because he spent all of his time praying. 
John Hyde was uh, raised in a little town in Illinois, not very far from where I'm from in, in Missouri in the United States, right in the middle of the United States. Uh, and, uh, and John Hyde was raised there. It's one of the reasons why I like him. Another reason why I like John Hyde is that he was a Presbyterian. And he was sent as a Presbyterian missionary to India. And almost didn't make it, almost wasn't allowed to go. They thought he would never learn the language, but then after he got there, God sovereignly intervened and and assisted him to learn the language there in India. And over time, John had an incredible desire to pray. In fact, he would shut himself up for hours at a time, praying and interceding. And people who joined him in the prayer room often said that they could experience the very presence of God there in the prayer room. And through his prayers and intercessions, as well as some of his teaching and preaching, but it was actually primarily through his prayer and intercession, thousands of people came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in India. In fact, there were several revivals that happened during his ministry in India uh, at the close of the 19th century and the beginning of the 20th century. And he had a very, very powerful ministry. And a few weeks ago, I was rereading his biography uh, about all the things that he did and, and the things that influenced him. And one of the most influential passages in his life was actually this passage that we read from 2 Kings chapter 4. And he always liked to note how the woman was told to go out and get empty vessels and none too few in the old King James English. Empty vessels and none too few. And then he noted how the oil did not stop flowing until the the vessels ran out, until there were no more empty vessels. And as I read his story and as I read this passage once again, I began to be gripped by what God was saying to me and what God was saying to his people through this passage. Now, it's a great story in and of its own right. You see, Elisha was traveling around, and Elisha was the chief prophet in Israel. And in Israel, uh, scattered about the country, were companies of prophets. It was like a school of prophecy. Now, prophets in those days, not only would they proclaim the word of the Lord, but they were responsible as well for proclaiming the scriptures. And so there were groups of these men that were around Israel because at the time, you know, in in Israel, obviously they didn't have Bibles that you could carry around. The very few scripture texts there were were all scrolls and, and they couldn't be moved and they couldn't be handled by most people. So you had to have men that were trained to proclaim the word of the Lord, that they were the prophets in those days. And sometimes they would get spontaneous messages from God and sometimes they would just proclaim the word of God. And Elisha was the chief of all these prophets, and he would go around from place to place training people in these companies of prophets, and then they would go out, and they would go out proclaiming the word, and many of them were paid for their services. Uh, Some were not. Some had to be farmers and things like that. And so we come on this situation where a, a widow of a prophet that had just died comes to Elisha. Now, it's clear that this prophet was not a good money manager. Because he died at a young age and he died leaving his family terribly in debt, which actually was fairly difficult to do in those days. And they were so deeply in debt that the creditor 
was about to come and take the woman's two children away to be his slaves. Now, that was a very common practice. If you couldn't pay your debt, you were forced into some kind of servitude uh, that's forced into some kind of job to work off your debt. And if you died not being able to pay your debt, your children would have to pay your debt. It was as simple as that. The problem is with this widow that if her children were taken away, because there was no Social Security back then, the, the widow is depending on her children to help her make ends meet. And so she cries out to Elisha and says, Elisha, you got to help me. And, and he initially says, what do you expect me to do? And then he thinks, the Lord speaks to him, I believe. And he says, okay, what do you have in the house? She says, all I've got is this little flask of oil probably not much bigger than uh, than this water right here just a little flask and elisha says okay this is what you do go around and get as many empty jars as you can as many empty vessels as you can and none too few get a lot of them go ask your neighbors beg borrow get them in any way you can have your sons collect them and bring them all together and so that's what they did they went around they went to the neighbors they got as many of these empty jars these empty vessels as they possibly could and then elisha said okay now lock yourself in the room with your two sons and begin to pour your oil into these vessels and so that's what she did and one after another the vessels were filled with this oil from a little flask. One after another, they were filled to overflowing. And as one was filled, they'd set it aside and they'd bring another one. And they kept doing that and kept doing that until finally she said, okay, bring me another one. And the son said, hey, that's all we have. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she goes to Elisha, she says, what do I do? And he says, well, go and start yourself an oil business. And that's exactly what she did. She got on into the marketplace. She sold some oil to pay off the debt. And then they lived off of the rest of the oil. That's a lot of oil. That's a lot of oil. And it's an incredible story. And it's an incredible encouragement. But I believe that the Lord is saying some particular things to us through this story and this season of our lives. You know, I look around, and, and the last few weeks I've talked to a number of people, both inside City Temple and outside of City Temple, that are saying, Rod, I, I feel like I'm in a transitional phase in my life. It feels like one part of my life has ended, but the next part of my life hasn't quite started yet, and I'm not sure exactly what to do. And there are other people that are saying, I, I really don't have the same sense of vision and destiny that I once had. I'm not sure what God wants me to do with the rest of my life. There are others that are saying, oh, I just feel so broken right now. I, I just, I feel like I've got so much sin in my life. I, I don't really know what to do. I don't really know how to get around it. I don't really know how to get over it. And then there are other people that are looking around and they're saying, oh, I, I want to make a difference in my workplace. I want to see my, my co-workers come to faith in Jesus Christ, but I, I'm not sure how to make it happen. I want to see a change in my family and my children, but I'm not sure how to bring it about. I want my community to be different, but I'm not exactly sure what to do. I'm out of ideas, I'm out of options, and I don't know which way to go forward. And if you're in one of these categories, or maybe another one that I haven't even thought of, I'd like to suggest to you that you're exactly where God wants you to be at this time. Because I believe that we are entering into a season where God wants empty vessels and none too few. 
We are in a season in the life of the church, particularly here in London, where God wants people who are empty and ready to be filled with God's Spirit once again. We're in a season where God is calling us to bring together as many empty vessels as we possibly can so that we can be filled to overflowing. See, I believe that God is tired of a people who are full of themselves. And quite frankly, for too long, the church in London and many Christians, we've been full of ourselves. We've been full of ourselves. We've been full of our wants. We've been full of our desires. We've been full of our ideas. We've been full of having it our way. And God is saying, enough is enough. He wants empty vessels and none too few. And God is calling us to become empty vessels. And if you're feeling like an empty vessel right now, God is calling you to embrace your emptiness, to embrace the fact that you feel like you're an empty vessel. Now, as Christians, we need to be emptied of a lot of things. We need to be emptied of our pride. We've had so much pride, and we think so highly of ourselves sometimes. And God wants us to be empty of that. We need to be empty of our ambition. That's one of the issues in, in London. It's so easy to get caught up in, i got to get ahead. i got to get the promotion. I have to have the best job. I need to make more money. I need to push forward. I, I want everything. I want to have it all. I want people to notice me. I want them to think that I'm important. And God wants us to be empty of that. We need to be empty of self-will. We're saying, God, you know, I'll serve you. I will follow you as long as you let me do it on my terms. I don't want to do it on your terms. I want to do it on my terms. That's why so many of us like to sacrifice rather than surrender. Because if you sacrifice, you choose what you give up. But if you surrender, you give up everything to the Lord. And we've been so full of self-will, and God wants us to be emptied of that. We've also been full of self-reliance depending on ourselves, thinking that we can do it all, thinking that we can make things happen. One of the big issues of City Temple and its history is time after time, God has given people in City Temple a vision, a vision for ministry, a vision for the future, a vision for how God wants to bring transformation. And then time after time, the people have said, you know, thank you, God, for that wonderful vision. Now stand back and we'll bring it to pass. That's self-reliance. And God wants people to be empty of that. God wants us to be empty of our jealousy. It's so easy for us to compare ourselves to one another. Say, hey, I want what that person has. I'm not going to be happy until I have that spiritual gift, until I have that skill, until I have that job, until I have that car. And why does that other person have it and I don't have it? Because I'm better. I'm, I'm bigger. A- a- after all, you know, I'm even better looking. You know, so why, why don't I get ahead when that other person is getting ahead of me? That's jealousy. And we need to be emptied of that. And in short, God wants us to be empty of our sin. And there's a lot of us that just carry around a little sin. You know, as Christians, we want to be good Christians, and so we try to get rid of most of our sin. But almost all of us have a little pet sin that we want to hold on to. And the problem is, as long as that sin kind of sloshes around in the bottom of an empty vessel, or an almost empty vessel, it spoils the oil and anything else that might be poured into it. 
And God is calling us to be empty vessels. He wants empty vessels and none too few. But you know, the emptiness that God is calling us to is not just about sin issues. It's not just about things that are bad for us. It can actually involve things that are neutral or even sometimes things that are good. You know, sometimes we can be so full of things like technology that we run out of space for God. We go from our computer screen to our TV screen to our BlackBerry screen to our computer screen to our TV screen to the cinema screen. And we get so full of these things. And none of these things are bad. You know, I'm, I'm pro-computers. I'm pro-Blackberries. I'm, I'm pro-TV. Uh, pro I don't think God is opposed to those things either. But we can get so full of that good stuff that we have no room for God. We can get so full of busyness, of rushing from one thing to another, to another, to another, all of which seems to be good, all of which seems to be important, but it so fills us up that we have no room for the oil. And I think that God is calling us to become empty vessels. We can be filled with our own expectations. This is how I expect my life to work out. This is what I expect from the church. I expect the church to meet my needs. I expect my spouse to meet my needs. I expect my children to behave uh, like perfect little angels. You know, I, I, I expect this, I expect that. And we have all these expectations. Some of them are not actually bad expectations, but we get so full of what we expect that we cannot be emptied to be filled with God and what He desires and what He wants. And let me tell you, what God wants, what God desires, is so much better. We can be full of our own demands. So full that we don't receive more of the oil. And so God is looking for empty vessels and none too few. God desires empty vessels and none too few. God has a purpose for empty vessels and none too few. And God is calling us as His people to be empty vessels, presenting ourselves before Him. And empty vessels, empty vessels are hungry to be filled. Empty vessels, empty vessels cannot fill themselves. They know this, they understand this. Empty vessels are vessels that can be repaired. You know, there's so often that we want to be healed. You know, maybe we're carrying around a wound from, the chi- from our childhood. Maybe it's the way our parents treated us, or maybe it's something bad that has happened to us in the past. We have these wounds that we carry around, these cracks that manifest themselves in us. And the problem is if you try to fill up a, a cracked pot as opposed to a crack pot, If you try to fill up a cracked pot, it will leak. But at the same time, you can't repair a pot that's full. You have to empty it out. And there are so many people that are calling out and they're saying, God, won't you heal me? God, why don't you you come and meet me at this place of my need? God, why don't you come and, and minister to me? I don't understand this. 
and it doesn't happen to us. And many times it doesn't happen to us because we have filled ourselves with other things. You know, sometimes we, we, we don't like the emptiness. It's unpleasant. It's uncomfortable. And so we can fill ourselves with food or we can fill ourselves with entertainment or we can fill ourselves with our job, our work, or we can fill ourselves with, uh, you know, the good things of life. We can fill ourselves with drink. We can fill ourselves with possessions. There's all kinds of ways to do this, to try to heal ourselves, to try to minister to our needs, to try to soothe the brokenness that we feel. And the problem is that as long as we're full of these other things, God will not heal us. God cannot heal us. God cannot minister to us at that point of need. He's looking for empty vessels and none too few because God has a way of taking these empty vessels, even the ones that are cracked and bringing healing to them, and wholeness to them, and restoring them. And sometimes God will even take an empty vessel, and He seems to break it on the ground. And it seems to smash into pieces, but God picks up all those pieces, and He remolds it, and makes it, and reforms it, and refashions it, and makes its capacity even larger, so that it can hold so much more. God's looking for empty vessels, and none too few. And once God has those empty vessels, what God does is He fills them with His oil. Now throughout the Scriptures and throughout history, we've understood oil in part to be symbolic of God's Holy Spirit. And what God wants to do, He wants to take these empty vessels and begin to fill them with His oil. And this is where I think we make a mistake so often as Christians. I see so many Christians and I talk to so many Christians who are saying, God, give me more oil. Give me more of your spirit. Give me more of you. I've got to have more of you. I want more Bible knowledge. I want more intimacy with you. I want more of you. I want more of your oil. But they're so full. They're so full of themselves. They're so full of these other things. God says, I can't give you any more. You're too full. And so often we focus in on the oil. Or we think, oh, if I only had the kind of anointing that this church had, or if I only had the kind of anointing that this person had, or if I only had the ability to speak with people so easily like so-and-so can do, then, then I would feel better about myself. Then I could do more ministry. If I only had more oil, it's another way of saying this, I could do more. But you know, the truth of this story is that the woman started out with very little oil. And then God was able to take that small amount of oil and multiply it, multiply it far beyond her expectations. And for many of us, the truth is that we already have enough oil. We have enough intimacy with Jesus to start. You might say, well, I don't know much about the Bible. That's okay. If you know that the Bible is the Word of God, you've got enough oil. Well, I'm not a very good prayer. Uh, In fact, you know, I read uh, With Christ in the School of Prayer a few years ago, and I felt so guilty and condemned. I just wanted to leave the church. Well, you don't have to pray like Andrew Murray. If you know how to say, God, Jesus, you've got enough oil. Well, you know, I've not been walking with Jesus very long. I'm a very new Christian. Doesn't make any difference. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have enough oil. And we don't have to be like another church. We don't have to be more charismatic or more Pentecostal or, or more of this or more of that. Quite frankly, 
if we have just a little oil, just a little knowledge of God, just a little bit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, you've got enough oil. What God needs is an empty vessel. And the great thing about this story is that God was able to take just a small amount of oil and multiply it to overflowing till it filled so many jars, so many empty vessels that this woman could live off of the proceeds of this oil. That's what God is capable of. And in the same way, He's able to take just a little oil that we might be carrying, that we might be holding inside and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it to overflowing and what god wants to do he wants to fill us up with so much of himself god wants to fill us up with all the fullness of god as paul tells us in ephesians chapter 3 to be filled with all the fullness of god god wants to do that in us so that oil will flow out of us and flow into uh, the people around us and the people around us would be blessed and that's when transformation occurs that's when people are one to Jesus that's when things really happen in our families in our workplace in our communities when we are so full of God that God's presence God, the oil of God's spirit just overflows out of us and oil just as it flows out it just keeps flowing and keeps flowing and keeps flowing and God wants to fill us up to all the fullness of himself so then he can dump us out again over a hurting and broken world and then fill us up again but in order for that to happen he needs empty vessels and none too few he needs us he needs you empty just as you are in all your weaknesses and all your frailties in all your brokenness he's looking for you And we need to understand the purposes of God in our lives. So often we resist emptiness. We say, God, I don't want it. We resist anything that's uncomfortable. But as we know instinctively, many of the really great things in life come from some discomfort. And God, we need to understand that God's purpose is in us. If you are feeling empty... You are right in the flow of God's purposes for your life. You are right in the flow of God's purposes for your life. Because God's purpose is that you might be empty, not so that you will stay empty, not so that you will stay miserable, but so that he might fill you up to overflowing. And so that you might become an agent of transformation in the world around us. So that we might see London changed so that we might see our world changed. And God's purposes, the purposes that we must understand, are not only for us as individuals. God has a purpose for us together as the church of Jesus Christ. As Paul also says in Ephesians chapter 3, God's purpose was so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the principalities and powers through the church. You know what God wants to do? His purpose in us is to gather together a collection of empty vessels and none too few so that he might fill us up to overflowing with his Holy Spirit so that we would be a testimony to the greatness of God and the greatness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ all around us. Because as God takes us, you know, these empty, these broken, sometimes cracked vessels, he heals them up, he fills them up, he pours us out, And he displays that he is greater than our weaknesses. He shows us that he is much far superior to our brokenness. 
He demonstrates that his son Jesus can accomplish anything and that he will have a bride for his son Jesus that is pure and spotless. And he does that in us. And that's God's purpose of gathering together empty vessels and none too few, that he might fill them up, that he might display the glories and excellencies of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we might be the fragrance of life to those who are being saved all around us. But we need to be empty vessels that he will fill up to overflowing with the oil. So how does that happen? How do we cooperate with this? How does this come about in us? Well, the first thing here is that we must empty ourselves. We must cooperate with God in the emptying process. Now, there's a a fast way and a slow way to do it. The slow way is to say, okay, God, I want to empty myself, and you work on it a while, and it eventually could happen. The fast way is to say, God, please empty me. Just understand that when you pray that kind of prayer, God picks you up by your feet, turns you upside down, shakes you a little bit, and shakes out everything that doesn't please him, kind of cleans us out, and then turns us right side up. And let me tell you, it's a bit of an uncomfortable process. But you certainly can pray it, and it certainly will happen faster. The important thing is that no matter what you do, you cooperate with God in the emptying process. And we all go through that. We all deal with that. We all encounter that. Even our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was in the wilderness, encountered that emptying process. And even on the cross, Jesus emptied himself. In fact, even coming to this world, what is it that Paul said? He did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. So God is calling us to empty ourselves. Now, we do that in two ways primarily. First of all is repentance. Repentance is when we confess that we have done wrong, we confess that we have sinned, and then we turn away from that sin, we renounce it in the name of Jesus. uh, Repentance involves confession and renouncing of sin. And sin is anything that displeases God. So we repent of it. We say, God, I am sorry I have sinned. It is wrong. It is evil in your sight. I have messed up. I am sorry. I turn away from it. I don't want to do it. I reject it. I renounce it. Please forgive me. And God always responds to repentance because of the cross of Christ. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for all of our sins. And so when we repent... God fulfills his word through 1 John chapter 1, 9, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He takes out the, the putrid stuff on the inside of us, cleanses us out by the blood of Jesus Christ, and restores us, and it happens when we repent. And when you realize you've sinned, the most important thing you do is repent and do so immediately. And that's one of the ways that you empty yourself. You see pride coming up in your heart. Oh, God, I am sorry. Oh, that pride is awful. I don't want it. I renounce it. I turn away from it. And I humble myself before you once again. It's that simple. And it works not because you do it, not not because you say the right words, but because Jesus died for you. He paid the price for it. And he loves you. And he longs to forgive you. Another way that you can empty yourself 
is by fasting. Uh, now, fasting historically is referred to food, and, uh, and certainly that is the primary way that God's people fast. They give up food for a specified period of time. And let me tell you, if you're used to eating every day and you go without food for two or three days, you will begin to feel empty, and it's not a very comfortable feeling. But it's a good discipline, and it's a way of us emptying ourselves before God. But you know, you can fast other things beside food. I'm a firm believer in fasting the television from time to time. My wife and I have been doing that uh, for the last several weeks. Uh, we've been fasting TV. We set it aside. We don't want to watch it. And so we, we fast it for a season. You can fast technology. I went through a period of time where I said, I am not going to look at or answer an email from the time I leave work on Thursday, my day off is on Friday, from the time I leave work on Thursday until the time I come back to work on Monday. And if you're an an email junkie, you know how hard that is? You start saying, what am I going to do? I might have to use the phone. By the way, if you do that, blackberries, mm, that should be fasted too. Now, there's so many different things. Anything in your life that is making you full, you can fast for a season, emptying yourself that God might fill you. Now, an important distinction between repentance and fasting, you can't fast something that's sinful. Oh, God, I think I'm going to fast getting drunk uh, for the next 30 days. Uh, That doesn't work that way. That's repentance. You understand the distinction between the two. So we respond to this by saying, God, I want to cooperate. I don't want to resist the emptiness. I want to cooperate with you so I can become the empty vessel that you desire so you can heal me up so that you can repair me. And then once we cooperated with God in the emptying process, then we need to let God fill us up. And we say, God, I want to be full of the fullness of you. I want to be filled with the full measure of Jesus. I want to become like Jesus. I want to have the character of Jesus. God, fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. And you go to God and you ask Him to fill you. If you're empty, you cannot fill yourself. You will not be able to fill yourself with food or with possessions or shopping or anything else. Only God can fill you. And the third thing here is you have to have faith that God will fill you. We need to trust in Jesus. Remember what Jesus said. He said, you know, if anyone asks his father for bread, would he give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, would he give him a serpent or a snake? No. And so if your earthly fathers know how to give you good gifts so also will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to everyone who asks. And so we need to trust God, to trust in God's purposes, to have faith that God wants to do something in our emptiness and with our emptiness that is so much greater than what we could do ourselves. We need to have faith that God has purposes in us together as His people. That if we'll come together as empty vessels and none too full, few, that God will fill us up to all the fullness of Jesus so that we flow out into the world around us. 
And that is when you're going to see things change. That is when you're going to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Not because you've learned the latest evangelistic technique. Not because you've learned how to pray a little bit better and say the right words. Not because you've done the right thing. But because God is in you and God is with you and God is filling you. And God is flowing out of you to the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of God's Spirit. God is looking for empty vessels. None too few. Will you be empty for him? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that your word is true. And I thank you that you are good and you are great and you are wonderful. And you can fill us to all the fullness of your son Jesus Christ. Lord God, I present myself to you one more time as an empty vessel. And I pray that you would minister to my friends here in this room as empty vessels and we would be none too few that we might be filled with all the fullness of Jesus and the power of the Spirit that the oil that is the Holy Spirit the little oil that we have might be multiplied to overflowing we exalt you and we praise you and we worship you through Jesus Christ our Lord I want to take a few moments and make this even more practical for you It's an opportunity for you to cooperate in the emptying process. The first thing, in a moment, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to show you if there's any sin that has been filling you up or maybe a sin that has been spoiling the oil. Maybe it's some sin that you've held on to that you've not really wanted to repent of. But this is an opportunity. As God shows you that sin or those sins... It's an opportunity for you to say, Lord, I confess that that is wrong, that is sinful, and I turn from that sin. I renounce it, and I turn to Jesus. So let's pray here for a moment. Father God, I pray now by your Holy Spirit that you would come and begin to reveal to the minds of the people here in this room any sin that they have been holding on to that have prevented them from being empty and being filled with you. And Lord, as you show them that sin, I pray that you would lead them in repentance by your Spirit. Give them the gift of repentance so that those sins can be washed away. And let's take a few moments in silence and just pray about this and seek the Lord. Father God, I thank you that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Now for some of you, this process might need to continue tonight after you get home. But if the Lord has shown you other things that you have not repented of in this time, do it tonight. Do not leave it till tomorrow. Do not wait 
until tomorrow morning when you do your devotionals, do it tonight. Repent and be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Now I'd like to pray and ask the Lord to show you if there's anything in your life that has been making you full. Now maybe it's the television, maybe it's the computer, maybe it's shopping, maybe it's your job. Uh, It could be any number of things, I don't know. But if there's been anything in your life that's been making you full or anything that you have been doing to compensate for the emptiness you've been feeling, eating more, drinking more, working more, whatever that is. In this time, I want the Lord to show that to you. And this is your opportunity to say, Lord, I want to set this aside. It might be that you need to fast something for a while. Or it might mean that if it's a way that you've been trying to fill yourself up where you say, Lord, I don't want to do this any longer. I renounce this as a way to fill me and I embrace you. And so let's spend a few moments. I'm going to pray. Father God, I just ask that you'd show people anything that they have been doing, anything that's in their lives, that it's been making them so full that they could not be empty and then filled with you. Lord, we want to set those things aside so that we might be filled with you. So show us those things right now in the name of Jesus. Let's pause for a few moments in silence once again. Thank you, Father, for revealing these things to our hearts and our minds. And I pray now, Father, that you'd give us your plan of fasting, repentance, whatever it is, to remove these things in our lives or to minimize these things so we can be filled with you in the name of Jesus. And then finally, I'd like to invite you to pray here in a moment that you might be filled with all the fullness of God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to fill you up with his oil. Ask God to multiply the little oil that you have right now until you're overflowing. Do so in faith. Do so in trust that God will respond. Father God, as we come to you, we come to you desiring to be filled with Jesus, desiring to be filled with you, the oil of your spirit, greater intimacy with you, greater knowledge of you that might spill over into the world around us, that we might be changed so that people might see Jesus in us. Fill us now. Just in your own words, in your own heart, just pray that prayer or something like that, however you feel led to the Lord in in the quiet now for a few moments.
Father God, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the faithful witness of so many people here. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for the partnership with City Temple. I thank you, Lord, that we can come to you together as empty vessels, knowing that we would be filled to overflowing with the oil of the Holy Spirit, that you will multiply the little oil that we have until we see this city changed with the glory of Jesus. And that is our desire, that is our passion, that is our longing, that we might be changed and that we might see this city changed and that the glory of Jesus might flow in and through us to a hurting and broken world, the people around us. Oh, help it happen, Lord. Be glorified, Jesus, in us, in your church. Fill us up with all the fullness of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.